1: Welcome to episode three sixty one of the a podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Emil Emanesian. It's the summertime. Emil, the transfer rumors are—I don't know—they're picking up, they're slowing down, they're not doing much anything.
2: Yeah, they seem to come and go, and definitive statements are really anything but at this time of year. So it's—it would be amusing if it wasn't so relentless.
1: Yeah, just trying to figure out which threads to follow, which threads not to
2: follow, and certainly
1: even as I'm preparing the show, I think feel like I got some wrong because I prepared it last night and by this morning, yeah. certain things have already been knocked down a notch. But Emil is here to help me answer some of last week's listener questions, or should I say some more of last week's listener questions that we didn't get to, plus some of the pressing questions from this week. And I do start with a question from Rick. Rick has been with the Facebook group since almost the beginning, all those four or five years ago. So Rick yeah. asks, and they're always, they're always good ones too, so credit to Rick. It's been over years since Saporta was elected president. How do you rate his work so far? Has he been posting too much social media speeches and not doing enough, or is he slowly but steadily balancing the books?
2: But I was actually, I've spent the last like few days kind of contemplating this just independent of, of anything. Right. I mean, he's done a lot of, so the biggest decision was obviously taken out of his hands, the, the messy thing. You know, beyond that, he's done a lot of the difficult a lot of the difficult stuff that had to be done, I mean, simply just to keep the keep the whole operation afloat and, you know, register new players and things like that. Mid-season, he was able to get, I mean, primarily Aubameyang, but he was able to get contributors to help the club really sort of, you know, maintain the momentum that they were starting to build under Chabi. And, you know, all in all, for for as much as everything kind of ended results-wise suboptimally, I mean, it was... Second place, and you know we're in the Champions League and and all of that. So, I mean, in that sense, I think it's been good. I I do think that I, broadly speaking, I do think he he talks too much, and I feel like every week. And I and I understand that there's an objective here, particularly with a club that's in dire financial straits and things like that. You have to, you know, by by carrot or stick, somehow get guys who are good players to play for less than. The prevailing market rate. And I've, I've grown a little bit tired of the seemingly unending appeals for young players or players in their primes or, you know, just premium quality players being, I don't know, like, I don't know if shamed is the right word, but essentially the the whole notion of how dare you not be willing to play for us for free and for the honor of wearing the shirt. You know, I mean, it's, I understand it's a prestigious club. It's a, it's a proud institution. It's one of the great institutions in the sport, but if you're a guy who's like 23 and your career is, you know, maybe going to be, you know, I mean, 10 years, if you're, if you're pretty lucky, it's just, I I've grown a little bit weary of him just repeatedly pounding the table for people to sacrifice their prime earning years in the name of the institution.
1: Well, I think when it comes to the things he's saying and overtly saying, I wonder what is useful for the next assembly. We'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. What is useful for his own individual political gain? What is posturing for agents and for sponsors and things like that? Because really, as a figurehead in the president of Barcelona, that's what you're doing. You are the yeah. guy, the last man to make those to make those handshakes. And I think the criticism that I've heard from most fans, I think the ones who are really, really frustrated with Laporta, are more frustrated that he keeps giving false hope, and that is mm. really what a politician can do to get them to get them uh, to get them to upset people. So yeah. he, he gave false hope about keeping Messi. There was that hope for signing Holland. There was hope yep. for even now there's hope for signing Lewandowski and people yep. really haven't jumped ship on that, even if it is impossible. So yep. because Laporta keeps kind of giving false hope to, to certain yep. things, again, even if they do sign Lewandowski, then yeah, he got one of the three right in that instance. But so many times I think Laporta has put himself in a difficult spot where because he wants to remain in a position of power, not just as president. I just mean at the bargaining table with the yep. sponsorship deals, he cannot transparently say we were never going to be able to afford Messi and we knew that for more than a few weeks right so it's almost like you have to lie to both those who were trying to take advantage of you outside the club but that means you also have to lie to your supporters and your socios and and the constituency too yeah exactly so you kind of have to do both to to, to, to keep yourself in a good position there. So, because he did, I mean, he wound up being the president. And I, I have to ask this question too, where I, I said it about Font on the last listener question show, <laughs> that whether it was Font or, or anybody, right? Whether it was Bartomeu's candidate, whether it was one of the other outside candidates, if you're the president of FC Barcelona mm-hmm. and you're the one that lost Messi on a free, even yes, though you were able to get rid of Coutinho and Griezmann, mm-hmm. you will also likely lose Dembele on a free and yeah. at this point in time, I will say it is 60-40 that he loses Frank and DeYoung. I think that's where we're at, yeah. just with the understanding of the finances right now. And then the other questions are, who is he surrounded himself with? And by and large, as you said, you know, we give him credit for the people he surrounded himself with, including mm-hmm. Mateo Alemani
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and Rafael Yust and Jordi Cruyff. And then even though the CEO, Farron Riveter, resigned, it was replaced by Oscar Grau, who is a long, long, long time. Champion of FC Barcelona, if you will. Or yeah, he's been in the like in the orbit for a long time. I've been decades and decades, yeah. right? Uh, and then we're gonna have to see. I think the long term about what Laporta, because again, so much of his legacy is not gonna matter <laughs> as much as he would love it to matter on the field. His legacy truly might. His second legacy <laughs> is truly gonna mm. matter off the field. I mean, the Spotify deal, even reportedly seventy million for stadium naming rights and mm. all the jersey. Uh, or the Jersey brand on the men's, women's, and training kits. Yep. This deal would have been more than eighty million prior to the pandemic. That was going rate right for that. When you combine exposure, mm-hmm. you combine the, I guess, a deal just up front and the marketing opportunities, if you will, mm-hmm. between Spotify and Barcelona for those fans. Uh, but a reminder that the pandemic did put many clubs in a difficult financial situation mm-hmm. where they have lost some of their negotiating uh, negotiating power. So you're seventy million there, and then. The big one here is that assembly that's coming up in three days time. You know, as I said, politicians will get the credit for the success that they may not largely deserve, and they will get the blame for things out of their control. And right now, Laporta is trying to put some pressure on socios for that upcoming assembly, saying that the club could get much closer to balancing the books and improving the salary limit. If the 49% of licensing and merchandising is sold and 25% of the TV rights are sold as well. And this is actually a sentiment That Tabas, believe it or not, Tabas did Mm -hmm. actually back up today, which if those two agree on anything, that being Laporte and Mm Tabas, you go, maybe there's truth to that (laughs) if they're both agreeing on on one thing. But yeah, just to round it out before I throw it back to you, Emil, that yeah, so the agenda is to the the president is going to try to give his best pitch, and then they're going to do the vote on the BLM rights, and then they're going to do the vote on 25% of the income from television rights. And then it's an open session for the socios to really ask those questions. And and I think you're going to see a lot of, I, I think while both of those may pass, you're going to see a lot of objection as well in that open session, which does make sense, right? You don't object if you're going to vote yes, or you're going to agree. Yeah. We're you. only going to hear from those who dissent.
2: Totally. And now, yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there. So I think, I think uh, so broadly speaking, I agree with you in, in terms of, who he's messaged for and why he has to do this. We have, yeah, there's a, there's a whole point. I mean, clubs of a certain size, even in the worst of times, there's this unrelenting pressure to always carry yourself as a mega club, even when sort of it's plain for everyone to see that you're not in that place. So I get that. And I also understand that, you know, things have to be done to balance the books or at least make, tangible progress towards balancing the books. And I mean, un- unfortunately, I've kind of reconciled in my head that Frankie de Young might just be a, you know, or likely will be, I don't know, you know, collateral damage or just kind of the the cost of doing that business. Um, because ultimately, I mean, if you're going to dig yourself out of this hole, you have to conjure up things that people want to give you money for, you know, and you know, it'd be nice, you know, because every every so often, whether it's here or whether it's online, you know, you see stuff that, you know, Barcelona eager to unload Samuel Umtiti. And my whole thing is like, well, yeah, no kidding. But, you know, is there anyone who's willing to unload him? You know, And the answer is always no. So, I mean, all of this actually makes sense. Now, the, the BLM and the, the TV revenue thing, and if I'm not mistaken, it's 24% of TV revenue. That's in perpetuity, right? Well, yeah, we're
1: not exactly sure where the deal yeah. is. It depends on... I mean, I've heard a lot of different things. I've heard that it's the renegotiation of their own CBC deal. I've heard that it's also just to, to someone else, like not, not necessarily facts, yeah. but that it's 24% of that income to somebody else, which would be, is it 50 years? Is it 30 years? I mean, that negotiation might be behind closed doors that we don't know about. So the only caveat yeah. I'm adding is even though you think you might know exact details of what that means, I'm not even sure if we potentially know the partner.
2: Right. And so, I mean, okay, but even without knowing the the details or or the partner, you know, 45% of you know licensing and merchandising and 25% of TV revenue. Like if we say in perpetuity, or you know, I mean, I guess when you sell 49%, that is in perpetuity. Someone else owns it unless you buy it back from them. Right. You know, I think it's I don't like it. I mean, I, I realize you keep majority interest and so you ultimately still do get to call the shots of things like that. But I feel like this really is kind of pawning the family jewels to bridge your short-term financial needs rather than ever actually doing the, I feel like there's an element of the hard work financially that didn't get done. It was kind of, you know, the, the hard work got done, you know, messy got moved and things like that and everything. But then it was the first instant that it was possible. They spent $55 million to bring in Farron Torres. And then every other subsequent conversation has been, How do we somehow conjure up, you know, the financial gymnastics to bring in Lewandowski or, you know, whomever. And I feel like all of this is, it's just, it's a a frustrating kind of repetition of, you know, we want to do enough of the work to sort of bridge this next gap, but without actually solidifying the foundation, if, you know, if that makes any sense. I mean, we're, we're in for lean years, whether we want to say it or not, whether we're kind of I'm always reminded of there's a line in, in the wire where, you know, they're kind of talking about just the, the code of the street. And like, you know, I understand we have to fight on the lie that, you know, that that all is OK or that we are just a stone's throw away from rejoining the likes of Man City and Liverpool and, you know, whomever. I mean, the, those we are in lean years. I mean, I, I think everyone who's having an, an honest assessment, you know, who makes an honest assessment of the club knows that.
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: Well, I think it's, I mean, it's from from a public relations standpoint, from a representation of your club to a global audience, You know, with FC Barcelona coming to the U.S. over the summer and all the different work they're doing in the Far East, Barcelona and Laporta is, I think, fairly continuing to try to tell people and explain to people that they are Mm. still a world power in world football because... There is, a, there is a timeline and there are many timelines and there are many paths that Barcelona could go down in the next two or three years where they take a step back that they don't come back from. The way mm-hmm. that football is changing hands, I mean, the way that money in football is changing hands, mm-hmm. Barcelona can fall behind. Because, again, we talked about it last week that Spain and the Liga, they in, in themselves have an opportunity to fall behind mm-hmm. and not be able to catch up unless you are Real Madrid. So mm-hmm. Ruiz does ask, is there any way for Barcelona to pay back all of its debt? or is the reality in living in some sort of debt forever. Well, I mean, we also I do employ him to go back and talk to uh, or listen to episode mm. 358 from 2 weeks ago. We talked about mm. that being Levon and I about the short-term mm. debt of the club being mm. the real pressing danger and the issue that continues to restrict the salary limit because the club is really banking on that S5 Barca project, the expansion and the renovating yeah. of the stadium to pay off a lot of the long-term debt because that in itself is a loan of 1.5 billion. So really, the next 15, 20 years is about getting back to the top, staying on Mm -hmm. top and trying to put 100,000 people in that stadium week after week and getting gate revenue the likes of no other club in world football can compete with. And that way, they don't have to worry about some gigantic benefactor like a Man City. And actually, let me even take that one step further and say, then they don't have to worry about selling big stakes of their own club. And they don't actually have to be owned by someone else who has yeah. just this this ever limitless amount of money. And that mm-hmm. is what Barcelona is trying to do. So it, really this financially, whether we want to admit it or not, it's still a fight for the soul of the club. And <laughs> those are the kind of high stakes that Laporte is dealing with. And as I said, I mean, there is, I, I who knows what, what, Again, we know what financial debt Barcelona has, but who knows how likely it is that Barcelona can have their soul saved? Like, how is he doing everything he could have? Is he doing everything another mm-hmm. president could have done? And so, I, I guess I'm putting a pit. I'm finally ending, you know, that mm-hmm. Laporta question again. In that, how Laporta deals with the short-term debt is unfortunately how people will remember his legacy. Yeah, truly, the second version of his presidency is gonna should be defined by the long-term and how he navigated this, this financial crisis, if you will. So speaking of financial crisis, and actually mm-hmm. speaking of the opposite, you know mm-hmm. it's funny that we're still talking about Bernardo, Bernardo Silva, and that tells you it's a summertime, right? Yep. Because he's playing, You know, he's a player that I liked at Monaco before the Man City mm-hmm. move, but the issue with him was always that I thought he overlapped in spaces with Messi a bit too much. Mm-hmm. And he, along with so many attacking midfielder, winger types, would make just fine sense at Barca, now, as long yes. as they play in that four-three-three 3 3 in a three-five-two formation and they can press, two things that under Pep we know Silva can do at yep. a pretty high level. But, you know, the, the Silva story to me, obviously, this is the cynical part of this, feels like something to soften the blow of losing to Young. You know, it's yes. more hope for something that won't happen to distract from the reality or the really negative mm-hmm. thing that is happening, which whether you think he should be sold is irrelevant. But instead, that Barça must sell Franky Young, whether they want yeah. to or not. If they have to sell him, I keep saying this that like this is not like the club is having this internal dialogue, as in do we can we keep him or do we have to get rid of him? That is the question, not about sporting merit. I'm going to continue to reiterate. Oh, that. Yeah, this That's isn't it. a
2: tactical call. This in this is no just... way
1: is it right. Yeah. <laughs> and the Silva rumor is just it picked up steam this week, but then I feel like it's going to be dead by the time the show comes out because the number is 80 million. And yeah. That, Impossible. And if Barca were going to have 80 million to spend, they probably would have already spent it. So yeah, that's it.
2: So let's. If, if they had 80 million to spend, they would have just hammered uh Holland's release clause and just like he'd be a Barca player presumably. But... Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> that. Like, Again,
1: Nunez just went for 80 million. Yeah, so, no, there, sure. are big, there are big numbers being thrown out there. So we're gonna pivot a little bit to farther down the depth chart next year, and we're gonna get we're gonna get a little more youthful here, Emil, for a little bit. As Tyler had asked. As I feel we haven't given Collado a chance, I understand last year's issue especially since he was Mm -hmm. supposed to go on loan but should be utilized this year as we ship him out. Do you think Collado has a chance in the squad next season from the limited we saw him at Granada? Well, it was 17 times, but Granada was also in a bad way.
2: Yeah, so I, I don't know if it's... Yeah, the situations aren't like for like. So, you know, last season's Granada, you know, isn't going to be next season's Barca, but he looks like a, he looks like a first, you know, a first division player. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like he's a, he is a useful player. I don't know if he's a frontline starter, but I do feel like he's a depth piece and building on to what we were just talking about with all the, all the unfortunate financial stuff is, I, I do think these are kind of the ways that depth is going to have to, is going to have to be manufactured in, at least in the immediate and short term because you can't really fill out your squad with 10 15 million euro depth midfielders and, and you know a couple of extra strikers and defenders that you just sort of park or you know play every third or fourth game. so I do think this is how they're gonna to have to manufacture depth I mean I think he's a useful player I don't I don't know if he's a difference maker at at his current level but almost kind of like an innings eater I guess you know to use a baseball term but I do think he could actually occupy that that type of a role and plug some holes when, when needed.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting for credit to having watched him at Granada, where he arriving in January was expected to kind of be this important player for them, but also kind of settled in as, as a pretty good, just reliant piece, which actually I think helps his, his case a bit more Barcelona, where if he's only going to play once every five or six matches, then he needs to be relied on to succeed in those matches, whether it's in the Copa del Rey or some kind of of league game when somebody else is suspended. You know, mm-hmm. now he's 23 years old. Again, played 17 times for Granada in the second half of the season after mm-hmm. being off for six months, which is not great when you're 22 years old. He scored two goals and one assist. But again, I'm not really looking at that number in particular because, you know, he did play well, especially against Vars off the bench in his mm-hmm. review But as Granada tried desperately to stay up, something that they did in the end failed to do, Kaeda kind of was trotted out, uh, trotted out a lot as a left-winger, a right-winger, a central midfielder, an attacking midfielder, which is what we already knew, right? He's versatile, yeah. but there is a lot in common with him and Roberto, I, I think, to put it to put it mildly. He's got yeah. one year left on his deal, and it's not very expensive. So if he really wants to stay, he could sit on the bench for the first half, then leave again in January if Xavi doesn't need him. But yeah. he does have the technique and a good understanding of positional play to the point that if Xavi won Roberto... Maybe he can just find and use one farther up the field and be one of those rotation pieces, or this is the other thing that came up this week. Trincao could also be on his way back. Barca may not be able to get a right winger. Yeah. So Trincao may be given every chance to serve that Adama Traore role, Mm -hmm. except there is no Dembele. So if there's no one coming in because the club can't afford it, then Trincao and Kayato both might get those opportunities, especially in the preseason. So, you know, it didn't really work out for Trincao at Wolves. He's trying to get back to Portugal, which tells you that I think he's trying to take to kind of reset things at 22. Mm -hmm. But the good news is for him, he is still 22. I mean, and that 30 million plus add-ons that he was bought for now a few seasons ago feels like. That might have been a lot of agent commissions. It might have been in the pursuit of doing another deal, yep. that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But again, thirty mil plus add-ons was that's a Bartoméu deal. Unfortunately, now it feels inflated. Oh, it's vintage
2: Barto. Yeah. Right.
1: But Barça may not have any other options. I'll let you respond to Trincão because I have got a little bit of a, a little bit of a thing to do on La Masia, if you will. Because Barça Athletic, still getting mm. into it. Barça Athletic has basically seen a complete facelift, a complete overhaul. So I'll do that in a second here. But yeah, Trinkau with Barca's first team, he's certainly the one who's gone between him and
2: Kayato. Yeah, so I mean, I think yeah, so setting aside the, the price that he was bought for and just looking at him as a player. I mean, I think, you know, you'd feel a lot better if he was part of a, I don't even want to say like a rotation, but at least part of a kind of a multi-headed monster on the right wing. And you know, all of the eggs weren't being placed in that one particular basket, but I mean, I didn't watch a ton of Wolves this year, but I mean, just the, the bits that I've seen and sort of just in, in reading and and hearing about it. Yeah. it obviously didn't, it didn't work out for him there. And I, and I fear my biggest fear is not even so much that it couldn't work for him here, but I feel like there might be a sort of a miniature version of the, quick souring of Barca fans towards him, almost like a miniature version of what happened with Ferran Torres. And, you know, because he comes back and he has to play and he doesn't immediately hit the ground running and, you know, just dominate that right wing. Everyone's going to remember the price tag and it'll essentially just, that number will become an object of resentment and it will come to, and again, he'll become sort of this avatar for, the previous era of profligate spending and and mismanagement and you're the reason why we can't dot 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 whether or not there's any actual truth to that in terms of an actual player i mean i think the bits that i've seen i mean i think he he's not as good as dembele obviously he's i mean i would say he's probably capable you know what i mean he's i would say better than replacement level but i don't know if he's star level
1: Yeah, I I think it's a pretty good and fair assessment to say that Trincao's star has already faded, even though he's 22. You know, he got the opportunity at Barcelona Mm -hmm. to try to prove himself when Ronald Koeman needed him. Then he went to Wolves, which is a place where with all his other Portuguese players, he should have been comfortable. Didn't really necessarily work out there either. And that play that we saw at Braga, the one who was just fearless. And this happens to a lot of players, the ones who was fearless, the one who was... You know, taking the world by storm there, just scoring goals at will, that player is now two years removed. And mm. when a player is between 20 and 22, two years removed means he's probably not that player anymore. And we've seen that story over and over and over again. Speaking of that story, by the <laughs> way, of being 20 and then 21 and not knowing exactly who they're going to be, it looks like there could be a major overhaul, as I said, this summer for Barca Athletic, formerly Barca B, you know, <laughs> while Sergi Bazwan looks likely to continue, which is an opinion within itself, he'll be losing pretty much 11 to 12 of his top 14 players. It's just an incredible number of, as far as up people and over and change. So yeah, I'm going to yeah, go yeah. through the names first and then we'll go through the why. So Honda Oriana, Ramos Mingo and Peke, that being Gerard Peke, didn't have their extensions picked up. So they become free agents. Oriana is definitely the, you know, the headline name, if you will, There, mm-hmm. definitely disappointing one. He's 21 now. But his injuries for the last two seasons that I've kind of been hinting at, we've been talking about it. It's two seasons but he was also captain of that team. They've just been brutal for him and really yeah. sent his development down the wrong path. So his time, that being Oriana's, very much like Oral Busquets, uh, that, you know, the pivot, right? It was yeah. the guy that was supposed to be the pivot. Oral Busquets and then, and then Oriana, uh, the guys who were just natural, quote unquote, replacements for Sergio Busquets. Yeah, it didn't work out because they, mm-hmm. they got injured and never came back. Center back Arnaud Comas is also gone. Forwards Jordi Escobar and Rodado head back to their clubs. Lucas de Vega is likely out. And Abde is either going to be promoted to the first team or he's out the door on a loan or something like that or a buyback mm-hmm. with a purchase option as well. Uh, and then Arnaud Tanas, same thing. He's either going to be the third goalkeeper for the first team or he'll mm-hmm. be likely heading out on loan. Jugla, the leading scorer, is a, Bru- a Bruges player now in Belgium. Yep. Nick Marmol and Balde will likely go out on loan, or one of them will stay with the first team. And if it is Balde, he might even pop back and forth between Barca mm. B or by, sorry, Barca Athletic. Yep, got to get this habit right. And yep. then on loan, right back, Dianku is also up in the air whether or not Barca will decide to try to make that loan permanent. But with the way he played for Barca Athletic, he might have other suitors, but we'll have to see that. And then Alfaro Sanz and Mateus Pereira. Two of the regular starting midfielders for mm-hmm. San Their futures are still up in the air, but I would expect both of those two to continue. So keep going down the list. Pablo Torre <laughs> will likely be with the first team. So we basically <laughs> know that that leaves Musa DA, the, the left back and center back, Alice Garrido, Astanes Pedrola, and Ilash Ocomash, uh, Ocomash, who will get larger roles from the U19s, but they did yep. play a bit with Barca B last year. And Fabio Blanco, who arrived in January, will be expected to start the way he finished, which is pretty well. He was probably the best attacker other than Jukla. And Abde also picked it up right at the end there as they turned the corner as the season was four or five matches down the stretch. And then the 21-year-old midfielder Antonio Aranda, who impressed down in Australia, will likely continue to be an every game starter mm-hmm. for Burns to be as well. Other than that, you're talking more transfers like Emre Demir, who's riding from Turkey after not yep. playing for an entire season, and yep. a team that is largely made up of players then that featured exclusively juvenile uh, a.k.a. the U19s last year, who didn't even really even get occasional, maybe a, a Diego Almeida, who had the occasional call-up to the Barca B bench, but lo- by and large, it's going to be players that we have yet to see at a quote-unquote professional level in the third division in Spain. So for more on them and that, that kind of list, sure. the Juvenal awesome stuff, I did tease last week. I'm currently working on the big summer. Let me see a video I do every few months. And as you can judge so much of that script, mm. I had to rip it up already because I found out that Oriana... <laughs> All those are not coming back. So, you know, lastly, uh, I here mean, to be cynical, not to be cynical, but I will be the club may be giving people what they want in terms of having a Barça athletic that is just really, really young and all yeah. players that are between the ages of 18 and 20. So many of them, right? Like 85% next year where you're going to say, OK, unlike um, no offense to Guillaume, Haney, but you know, that right back who went to Castellón and then came back. He was Mm. never going to be in the first team. It was just he was Mm. added to be a captain, to be a good vocal leader. Again, he was, you know, during his mid-20s. So he is just, I've been here before. I was here a long time at Barca B. I know Mm. how to navigate this thing. And he certainly, at least in the locker room, is probably helpful for the second half. But again, he's never going to get that call to the first team, especially when he was left from Barca B to go to Castellon. But they will be a lot younger than even the last two seasons. And it is pretty difficult for that to happen, to be honest. But more importantly for the club, this is the cynical part. It'd also be substantially cheaper as many of these yeah. players would still be playing on their first professional contracts without extensions. So mm-hmm. they've yet to sign that extension. They're all really playing on those still when they put the pen, the, the, the ink to the paper, when they were 16 years old, these yeah. are the contracts 18, 19 years old. So Barca will not, I mean, they can, but they won't have to extend some of these players if Barca athletic is a tryout in the way that who A sometimes is.
2: Yeah. The thing is, like when you mentioned some people are getting what they want, I don't know if I would necessarily have wanted it this kind of immediately or in one fell swoop. But by and large, I'm a bigger proponent of that. And while I understand Barca, you know, Barca B is, you know, they, they fight for promotion and they can get relegated. So they're, they're competing in a way that, for instance, like a like a baseball minor league team isn't. Uh, But the way that I've always thought about it is and, you know, it's like with anything like this, the results of Barca B are really secondary to me. And it's more so it should be this almost like a laboratory, like a football laboratory and like a testing ground for, you know, the next generation of players. Now, maybe if you want to have, you know, just a a portion of the team, just have some grownups in the room and, you know, so a couple of. You know, a couple few seasoned professionals who just simply can explain to the kids what the what the job is and how to how to be a professional. I think that's also a very smart approach to take. But by and large, I think the 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 bulk of the the responsibility for the team and playing time and you know the the assessment should hinge on trying to find the future generations of Barca players, or ideally, if you have young players that develop and look like they're going to be good young players and, you know, maybe they're either blocked in the, you know, in the senior team or just don't fit tactically or whatever it is can actually be a source of revenue generation, you know, just make some money in the sort of in the player trading market. If you can develop young players that you sign for not a lot of money. And by the time they're 20, they are actually legitimately promising prospects and you can sell them for I don't know, whatever, 8X, 10X, or whatever you you paid for them, that's legitimately just a, a subsidiary of your company that is doing a good business. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, that's a good point, Emil, that for so many of
1: these B players, and, and my purpose, really, for always looking at, I said, from cadet up, because not that Ansu Fati has rewritten history, but even Boyan Kirkage going years and years and years ago, when I believe he was even with Barca C and then, not really with Barca B much at all and and worked straight up through mm-hmm. that once they turn 16, even the Gabi, right. They're rewriting history mm-hmm. that the guys that are ready for the first team can now in this iteration of Barcelona, get an opportunity with the first team. So yep. Cadet A, which is the U16s up from the U18s, the Juvenil Bays, the U19s, the Juvenil A's, and then the, to Barca Athletic. Those are all four levels that I'm looking at saying, which of those players, which one or two or three mm-hmm. From all four of those teams is likely, we'll say next up or deserves the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're gonna have Barts Athletic look a lot like, especially similarly in eight. Again, the, the ones we're talking about getting promoted from the U19s are just that. They are 18 and 19 years old and yeah. will be 18 and 20 for next season. So I'm looking and trying to figure out from that group next year. I've said Elisha Komash for a long time. There's a reason why people in the club have believed in him for a long time. There is mm-hmm. something in there. He developed a bit more finishing product this year. He's an inverted right winger. There might be a professional future for him. And he did just turn 18 this year. So again, I want to reset the idea with Bars Athletic. And to me, next year, when you said results, we're going to have to completely redefine next season. If this really is what that team looks like. And I was looking at that back line. It will likely be an 18-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old and an 18 year old at this point, that is what parts yeah. of these backline or Bass athletics backline will look like. And they will even not have Arnaud Tanas in net. So they won't mm-hmm. have a 20 year old goalkeeper. They're likely going to have an 18 or 19 year old goalkeeper, unless they bring somebody else in. So that mm-hmm. is a backline, even in the third division that is going to lose you games. But yes. as far as that development, like both those center backs though, Chadi Rodi and Diego Almeida, if both do continue out of the club, because that's a big question too. Like, I don't actually know who's the parts to be because these U-19 players, or contracts are up. So some of them do have to sign those extensions. And if they don't, then they're gone. So yep. we don't exactly even know. But what I do know is that between Roddy and Almeida, they've been two of the, again, when you talk about what is potential and what is real, like yep. those are two of the players, center backs that I have known for now, three, four years that have had higher potential, if you will. Right. Even they were 14 years old. They were playing with the U-16s. Right. That's how I know. I always take mm-hmm. stock of those players who are supposed to be playing with Cadet Bay or yeah. even levels below those who play with Cadet A, ah, Or if you go from get A ah or Hubenel Ah, then you're already, you know, a 16 year old playing with 19 year olds. And then you're Gabi. Yep. I circle you very quickly. So, yeah, it's really hard to judge which ones are going to come through. But I mean, I, I think if we're understanding that they're going to lose, again, you have to understand that then throwing as much paint against the wall and seeing yeah. which of those few players can figure it out. But the other question you have to ask too, is you and I are NBA fans, uh, Emil, that if you have a team like the Sacramento Kings and it's just full of players who are young and don't know how to win, yeah, that team going to be able to manage moving forward. The only thing I add a caveat to that is that the Kings don't have a first team. They don't have, a friendship with right. Anthony, <laughs> still just 19 again, who came up with so many of these players now at Barca. Yep. So, right. Like you have Ansu and you have Pedri and you have these players are the same age playing in the first team. Yeah. So, something that, that kind of defines it being in the entire, the Barca system, if you will, like, it's not like these kids as a team can completely go astray when, yeah, they're on the road by themselves. And you do see those international teams, right. The Utah yeah. always get in trouble. Or the yeah. kids, they would get in trouble in those hotel rooms, right? Because they're on their own for the first time. But, you know, these kids are taking, especially with that Spanish third division, because of the zone they're in, yep. they're taking what? I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, you're, you're the one there. They're taking what? Yeah. An hour and a half trip on a bus, right? Or like a two hour trip on the bus. I mean, it's it's glorified secondary school, glorified high school in terms of some of those trips.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, like the, yeah, that's the thing. It's, um, they're not doing like long road trips i mean they're not you know you don't have like a week in paris to get yourself into trouble you know i mean at, i even mean, I mean, staying overnight half the well, time that's what i wonder yeah i mean if you play like a noon game i mean if anything maybe you go the night before and right. play the game and then bust back but yeah i mean this so in that sense you bring up a good point but i do think just given the nature of the spanish third division the the geographic footprint and just the 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 finances and the resources involved, I don't think they really have the the leash to sort of, you know, go astray in that sense. And I do think there is, you know, a lot to be said for getting a couple of good veterans who maybe, maybe we're actually solid to good pros who, you know, might be just old, you know I mean? Might be like, you know, approaching their 40th birthday, but just want to play, a little bit more, don't want to completely hang it up, and can almost just be mentors who are able to to slot in and do a job. Well, the best one I can think of recently was Folly, mm-hmm. who now plays as Khadif, who Barca's
1: mm-hmm. first team has had to deal with Khadif. With when he yep. signed for Barca B, I believe it was even on loan from somewhere, and he was 25 at the time or 25 yeah. at the time. And he, <laughs> he looked like two or three Barca B players stacked on top of each other. <laughs> right. Uh, but clearly there was just something... That yeah, he he adds like you you, I mean he's a full grown man (laughs) being added in the locker room with a bunch of kids, and that just it kind of changes the calculus. It either works or it doesn't, like because you add those those kind of guys in, and they might not they might say, Hey, I don't need to answer to an 18 year old, but he had professionalism at the time. I believe it was a team with Ricky Poosh in it, where Ricky was one of the main contributors at 19. But Mm -hmm. Folly at 24 was able to say, Okay, fine, Ricky. I I understand it. I get, I see his talent. I understand what I'm being asked to do and I'll do my job. So you do need those guys who are just willing to do their job and play second fiddle to these 18 year olds that are going to make mistakes and have to play through their mistakes.
2: Oh, totally. Yeah. And I think that's really it. I mean, you have to find, and so I think that's a little bit of the element of, you know, that would go into the recruitment for it is I think even for these veteran leader types or for the, for the older players, you know, I would assess them more, more than talent. I would just assess them on, I would do legwork and see who they are in the context of the teams that they played on. You know I mean? It was essentially you want good locker room guys. You want sort of solid professionals and also outspoken to a certain extent who are willing to take young guys aside. and, And I don't even necessarily mean kind of, you know, lay down the law or whatever, but just kind of explain to them what it is when you get to, La Liga, you know, just even, you know, in in the second division, even, and just kind of get them to understand and really grasp what it is that's in store for them if they're assuming their physical and tactical development continues, you know, properly. Yeah. Just make sure they're emotionally ready.
1: Yeah. I mean, the first team is so young that we are getting to the point where, as I keep saying, only the (laughs) truly special ones, usually the ones coming from those few age groups down, will make it. So Barcelona have also done, to their credit over the last few seasons, out of necessity, a good job in bringing in young talent. And the latest name to be linked was La Palmas's 18 year old Alberto Moreno. They've been linked to the winger before now, a few months ago. So Mm. I would also real quickly, I want to say, let's relax all that Pedri gobbledygook because Mm. Pedri is no longer comparable. Like he's a teenager from Las Palmas. I get it. Both played on the left wing. I get it. But Pedri is now ascended to a point just like Ansu, where you, it's not fair anymore to compare anybody. Um, So, (laughs) Apparently the club could sign him now for under six mil and then loan him out for the year back to Las Palmas, which again, which is one of those reasons why they keep the price so low, because they're basically buying a player for less than a year than they would have him mm. for. So, you know, I will admit that I have just seen him twice and I've heard he can be inconsistent like teenagers are, but apparently yeah. I did watch two of his better games because he scored. Okay. Got <laughs> assists, and to me looked ready for the Liga now. And that natural talent he has is ready for the Liga, but consistency this season is what could make him ready for Barca next year. Now, this deal is by no means done because I it really caught steam the last two days. <laughs> and so this morning I wake up and it's Villarreal and Eintracht Frankfurt who <laughs> are likely coming to that table and saying, hey, Barcelona's going to put you, stash you away at Las Palmas, and then they're going to make you fight for your spot. You come to Villarreal <laughs> or you come to Eintracht Frankfurt, who, are, again, are going after young players now. It's no... Nope. It's no surprise that Barca and now understanding Eintracht Frankfurt, we did our research on them solid in Europa league <laughs> yep. down in their academy and their U19s, them Leverkusen, those teams that are, we'll say next up that are not iron yep. or Dortmund or the ones that are next up. Uh, Wolfsburg trying to do the same. They're filling their U19s up with players that, that really they could sell off later down the road. And so Fabio Blanco, he went, yeah. he, he was offered a first team minutes eventually but he came well not came back to but he came back to Spain before he ever got to that juncture and that's how Fabio Blanco returned from Eintracht Frankfurt so if you're Molero, you're going to be looking at Villarreal and Eintracht Frankfurt they're probably going to offer maybe one or two more million at least on the uh, for that number I don't know about mm-hmm. Villarreal but Frankfurt probably will they're going to offer one or two more million over the course of whatever the contract is mm-hmm. and they're going to offer more playing time so Valero's family is going to have to do what Pedri's did and they're going to have to decide does he want to play for Barcelona or does he want to likely get more playing time and yeah. likely get a little more money on that contract? So that's a decision that he'll have to make soon. But if his eyes are on Barca, then Malero is not to say that he is a better signing than promotion for Barca athletic at the moment, mm-hmm. but he's got a year of first division play under his belt. Yeah. He's one of Los Palmas is better players and Los Palmas was uh, is in the promotion playoff. Uh, unfortunately, I think they fell to the sword, but they were in the promotion playoff yep. under, under Cristina Pianta, of course, to get back to the Liga. So the level he was at is just a bit higher than these other 18 and 19 year olds that he wouldn't, again, he would yeah. not play for Barca B. This is a first team signing for next year when he is 19 yeah. years old. So, I mean, if you, if they do do that and it's Molero and it's Pedri and it's Ansu again, Pablo Torre. Now you've got, I mean, that's a good log jam to have because you've got a lot of talented yes. players and it makes it harder for those Barça Athletic kids. But again, Barça Athletic, you're trying to find that diamond in the rough. That's what you're doing. You're just trying to develop these kids. And as you said, the point will be, it's a cheap squad because they're still yeah. on their 16-year-old contracts and you can sell a lot more of those instead of waiting for Honda Orellana to leave on a free. If yeah. he's got no path forward because Barça signed another 19-year-old from outside the club, Then Oriana, I mean, yes, These, especially these kids who've been growing up in La Masia, they want to play for Barca. And they stay, and they stay, and they stay because they have that dream. But if you can convince some of these other kids, hey, I don't think you're going to have a path forward. So when they're 19, 20 years old, Mm -hmm. they're still worth six to eight mil, you know, if they're they're doing well for Barca Barca Athletic. So I, I think that's the path forward. So Emil, for your last question for you here, Jay asked, how do you think the World Cup will affect us and all the major domestic leagues. Do you think we will see a better World Cup since it will be held in the winter and players will be more match fit and in better physical condition? Are you taking the cynical approach or are you taking the positive approach?
2: So as far as the quality of play in the, in the World Cup, I actually do think it will be higher because in terms of just proximity on the calendar, it's closer to some of these international breaks that, you know, the, that happens. So the, the national teams are in a, in a better rhythm with one another. and. You know the. I mean, I think they're still just kind of going to be a little bit more in sync. Also, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, if you just consider, is a team of players going to be more fresh in November than they are in whatever it is, June and July? After, you know, if your team is playing at a high enough level after, you know, logging more than fifty games, yeah, I mean, I do think I think the quality of play will actually be extremely high.
1: I don't uh, know. That's why I actually I I don't know. I I disagree a little bit because I feel like. It's hard to know because players are just put in the ringer right now. And I think even in the wintertime, Qatar isn't, especially in the wintertime, it is playable. It is possible. That's why they're having it then it's doable. But I I think for these players, they have not stopped. And this little break they're having in the summertime, you know, the first three, four months of the season can even, it can be grueling in itself. If these players do not properly get that time off and like going right into this nation's league stuff. Now, I guess I'll count on my own argument. This is the first summer that so many of them will really truly have off for eight weeks in years, years and years and years, because this is supposed to be the world cup summer. So I think that's the kind of argument to my own argument, but I'm not sure. I just think these players are under constant strain and constant stress. And even revving up for the world cup is going to put a bit more damage on some guys. Again, there are a lot of players who are going to be, fighting in their in their club teams for a roster spot in a yes. way that we have not usually seen before. I think when Yeah, because you usually
2: don't get this opportunity to kind of use the right the, the first few weeks of a season to kind of seamlessly transition into a World Cup roster.
1: Well, especially the forwards. I think forwards are generally, you know, they're picked last. I think they, yeah. they I think national team managers, they figure out, all right, let me build my foundation. Let me work forward. Let me figure out who's who, but those forwards. All right. Who's been banging in goals for the last month. That's, that's who I need to take to this international tournament. And particularly yeah. farther down you go in terms of some of those, some of those countries. I mean, I mean, speaking about the United States who's going to have, yeah. they're going to have, they have no number nine that they truly know is their number nine. They've got yeah. a bunch of different candidates, but they, I have four or five candidates, but you know, it was supposed to be Ricardo Pepe, just a, a month ago and he went to Osberg really worked out and not really scoring. And so now he's finding himself on the outside looking in and that it's going to happen. I think with a lot of different players. So, yeah, I don't know. I think there's this, there's, there might be this thing too in the winter time that you might not have the quote unquote best players going, but you might have the most informed players going.
2: Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking is it's the inform. It's, you know, they haven't been ground down by, you know, the full weight of the, of the club calendar. Uh, So I think, you know, the, this two months that they're actually, you know, most guys are actually getting like something resembling a full two months off prior to returning to their, to the club grind. And so I think this two months off is going to be very helpful. And then you only kind of lose, what is it? I guess two and a half, three months of that, rest and relaxation before you have to go to the world cup so you know the the accumulation of fatigue and injury will be less than it typically would be and i do think you bring up a good point that i think we will see the most informed players but i think in that sense we i think that's what will make the the level of play i think higher than you know than i think you're expecting or than some people are expecting because i think there's going to be more pressure to take the informed player rather than maybe a more prominent name. I mean, given the you're already going to be in that crucible of the club season.
1: Yeah. And that FIFA virus is going to be more terrifying to me. I'm going to watch every Spain game going. No one touched Ansu, Nobody. Touched oh Madrid. my God. Just yeah. leave them alone because yeah. obviously Luis Enrique is going to want them. Luis Enrique called Antu Fati and didn't even play him because he just wanted him around the club, knowing that he's probably going to be at the world cup if he can mm. be healthy. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, how will it affect Barcelona? it could affect Barcelona in monumental ways because again, Real Madrid, we've already seen they're going to have the depth this season to survive losing one or two players at the world cup and Barcelona while they're 11, I think is going to be just as good as almost anybody else's 11. Mm-hmm. If they will, when it all comes together, Barcelona is only going to go 13, 14, 15 deep this season. Yep. And if that, and Real Madrid is going to be able to go 19 deep. And that's just the way that those squads are going to be different. Even though, again, if you if you want me to pick between what Pedri, Ansu, and Arajo, or pick three from Real Madrid, right? Benzema, yeah. Vinny, and, and and Alaba. You yeah. know, like I to me, the, those kind of three units, if you will, are a wash.
2: But yeah, that, yeah it's right? when you get to player number twelve and fourteen and sixteen that yeah, Madrid have. They still have kind of arrows in that quiver where Barça simply don't have those right now.
1: Yeah. So I mean it could affect a lot of those teams. I mean, even like if yeah. I'm athletic club, I'm saying this is our year, guys, because athletic clubs only gonna have, I think, Unai Simone, their their goalkeeper called yeah. up. So as long as he's fine, and they also that being athletic club, always have one or two other basketball keepers ready to take over. So again, if we're at I'm at the, oh, uh, yeah. the, if <laughs> the other club, I'm saying, hey, we Sociedad also see that are probably gonna lose a few players. Barcelona's yep. going to lose a few players. Real Betis, you know, they're probably going to lose a few players, not too many. And then Real Madrid will lose some. Bilal will lose some. Valencia. <laughs> I mean, they're going to be yeah. lucky to stay up if they keep yeah. going on the path they're on. Yeah, so yeah, if I'm athletic club, um, that's, that's one of those clubs that I'm circling and saying, I think they're going to push hard this year. So I think it's going to even affect like leagues and the and, and Liga even more so. Because, you yeah. know, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund, some of those clubs, I think, especially in October and November, are going to, I think they're going to dial it back just a little bit, not maybe not with their lineups, but just with their intensity, right? Like I would expect that come October, this is my last prediction here. Mm -hmm. Jordi Alba is going to get roasted for and accused of being in second gear for multiple games in a row. I think people are going to say that he's in bad form heading into the world cup, because I think that Jordi Alba is going to preserve himself for like the last, Three weeks, which would be what six to seven matches. Oh,
2: well, that yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, it's almost like, uh, I mean, to to make one last NBA you know analogy or comparison before we go, it's kind of you know when your team has made the playoffs and you more or less know what your matchup is going to be, and but you still have four or five regular season games to play out. Yeah, you know, you play them, but you're not going full bore and you know, you're not playing the same, same intensity or, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, in those, in that context, we understand why that is. I mean, the the hope is that maybe that not going at a full 100% all the time, hopefully manifests itself more in the form of one nil victories and two, one victories and not infuriating dropped points. But but, you know that's the that's the fire that that we're going to be playing with
1: yep for sure all right so uh it is the off season, so i don't think we played with much fire today emil but so we, we got through it we got through it i appreciate everyone who was listening i was not only under the web weather but on puppy duty today so you might have heard it a bit in the background but yeah we got through it so thanks so much to emil you can follow him on twitter down in the show notes below just click on his name give him a follow over there and we are on twitter and instagram at the most on the pod at helping v 13 for me and we have a closed Facebook group where we got these listener questions from, from two of the last three shows. The Barcelona podcast, answer the questions, i watch you in. Patreon, that's the Barcelona podcast too. It's how I keep making these shows, especially in the summertime when people have checked out, when uh, when we'll say, you know, things are a bit slow on the back end. So Patreon is how I continue to make these shows. Always, always appreciate with that help over there. And you can also listen to these without the ads over there. So that is still the, the summer reward as well. And then we're on YouTube, as you know, with a ton of summer content at the Barcelona Podcast. Most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca.
2: Forza Barca.